We're going to plant some trees today, folks. Some idol-a trees. <laughs> yeah, wow. Whoa. Holy shit. Thanks, people. Wow, I thought that was kind of stupid myself, but hey. <laughs> All right. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. David, you're going to kick us off rather than pissing us off or whatever other interesting English off. phrase. Something I off. I am a little off. Blanking. Uh, you know, so. Blank blank off. There's all sorts of, think about that. There's all sorts of phrases in at least American culture. Blank off. You tick me off. Yeah. Piss off, tick off, jump off, kick off. Yeah. Anyway. Kick off. <laughs> <laughs> whoops, yeah, whoops. I don't know what people think about that. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, sorry, that's sorry. what I figured. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All righty. On, on that note, or <laughs> degenerative comment, uh, David, talk to us about the people of the uh, Rapa Nui. Rapa Nui. The Rapa Nui <laughs> are from Easter Island, and... This became a place where a lot of shipping would go for to refuel, to restock the ship. It was strategically placed in the Pacific there where it was a, a good place. So there are records of the peoples of that island for several hundred years. Mm -hmm. Most people are familiar with the statues that they built called the Moai. Yeah. And these Statues were representations of their gods who, of course, protected them and looked over them. And so for hundreds of years, they built these moai and placed them strategically around the island. And then later in their history, the Dutch and the Spanish and other people came in with their viruses, decimated the population, wiped out their crops the people themselves had pretty much wiped out most of the uh, palm trees and mm. forest, and it became just a wasteland. And one particular ship that went through noticed all the Moai standing up. And then within four years, a second ship passed by and they were all knocked over. <gasps> Come to find out, the Rapa Nui had had it with their gods. <laughs> they, were, they were fed up. <laughs> You're uh, not protecting us. We're all but wiped out. So they pulled the statues over. They probably knew the phrase from the Book of Mormon play, right? The Hasadiga yes. Ibowai. Maybe that's Rapa Nui. Maybe that's where that it comes could, from. It sounds Rapa Nui. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, God. Fuck you, God. So idols oftentimes are in the form of a statue representing either another person or uh, in a lot of cases animals mm -hmm. three-dimensional statues is what we think of most commonly with idols but let's go to the old testament the book of exodus moses is on mount sinai and gets the word of god and relays it to the children of israel mm -hmm. in exodus 20 verse 3 and 4 Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Mm. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. So here's a God that recognizes there are other gods out there, but 
thou shalt not have any before me. In other words, I'm first. I have to be first in your book. We have a, a second idea about this teaching in Isaiah 43.10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. And ye know and believe me and understand that I am he. Okay. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. And then in the following verse or chapter, there's another verse. 44, 6. Thus saith the Lord God, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer and Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Why that's interesting relative to Mormonism is there's a problem there. Doctrinally, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. The Mormons, of course, teach that God became God by obeying his father and God, and he became God by obeying his father and God off into eternity. And that's apparently what we're doing now is by obeying our father and God, we shall become gods ourselves. Just a you know, little side note there, doctrinal problem with this teaching. So we're going to look at, at idol worship, three-dimensional idols, and then we'll move into some more serious forms of idol worship. Yes, yes, indeed, and thank you for the background there, Mon Frere. <gasps> yes, background there, Mon Frere, huh? Huh? It's a <laughs> That's all I get, man. Jeez. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I'll have to work. Yeah, you know, and the audience may not believe this, but those rhymes just come out of nowhere. I, you know, it's, it's, thank you. <laughs> look, Thanks. look, you're Thanks. not giving God credit where credit's due. Oh. That was a revelation that your mind was suspended and it, no, come on. Okay. God gave well, you that as a gift. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, my mind is regularly suspended. So I guess that, <laughs> if that's definition <laughs> of revelation, hey, something Rusty and I have in common. Ah, it's interesting. All righty. So let's talk about some more definitions really quickly, or at least one. You know, Dave, when I want to know what the LDS Church believes, one of the places I go, well, I used to be able to say LDS.org. You can still go there. You'll be redirected to churchofjesuschrist.org. Now, there's got to be a church, I was going to look this up, called the Church of Jesus Christ. I'm sure of it. Uh, I know, I think I've seen at least a couple in the South that are called that. Yeah. But now the Church of Jesus Christ of Snakes has that domain. And so I'm sure they didn't want to spell out Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints.org. Although if you type that in, you'd probably read it. I'm getting way off topic. All right. <clears throat> so if you, if you search the word idolatry on the church website, you get to uh, a guide to the scriptures, the study helps, right? And there's other links. This is the A to Z. And so this one says, idolatry, the worship of idols or an excessive attachment or devotion to anything. Okay. Uh-oh. 
And that's their definition. That's the church's definition. <laughs> Again, shitting in their own dinner plate. <laughs> yes, wow. yes, pardoning the gross image there. Yes, uh, they are defecating upon their own vistules um, with this because you are asked as a member to have an excessive attachment or devotion to many things. Not just one In Mormonism. Yes. And so it gives a string of verses, one of which you read, a couple of which you read. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. If thou walk after other gods, ye shall surely perish. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Cannot serve God and mammon. We know that one. Covetous is idolatry. Blah, blah, blah. Bunch of different verses. On and on. On and on. So here's this concept of attachment or devotion to something. Interesting that the pot would be calling the kettle <laughs> black here, as they say. That's really that's, that's really just revealing, funny. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Wow, it's funny. So good old Spencer, SK, as I used to call him when we were dear friends, when he was still alive. <laughs> Spencer Kimball, yes, vocal man, 1976. Yoda. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He, we used to compare him to Yoda. Before he Yoda. died, yeah, except yeah. for the lack of wisdom, okay, <laughs> enough, <laughs> and the lack of speaking backwards with the verb and subject, yeah. Although he probably started doing that before he died. So, 1976 ensign. So, 76. This is when Kimball was still energetic and whatever rambunctious. Let me read a little bit. I didn't have audio for this. This is being out of an ensign. Rarely do you have that in audio, especially for the older ones. Says SK. Sadly, however, we find that to be shown the way is not necessarily to walk in it, and many have not been able to continue in faith. These have submitted themselves, in one degree or another, to the enticings of Satan and his servants, and joined with those of, quote, the world, unquote, in lives of ever-deepening idolatry. I use the word idolatry intentionally. As I study ancient scripture, I am more and more convinced that there is significance in the fact that the commandment, quote, thou shalt have no other gods before me, unquote, is the first of the Ten Commandments. Few men have ever knowingly and deliberately chosen to reject God and his blessings. Rather, we learn from the scriptures that because the exercise of faith has always appeared to be more difficult than relying on things more immediately at hand, Carnal man has tended to transfer his trust in God to material things. Interesting that he would use the word trust there, as we talked last week. Mm -hmm. Therefore, in all ages, when men have fallen under the power of Satan and lost the faith, they have put in its place a hope in, quote, the arm of flesh, and in, quote, gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not nor hear, nor know. That's from Daniel 5.23. That is, in idols. This I find to be a dominant theme in the Old Testament. Whatever thing a man sets his heart and his trust in most is his God. There's a lot of gems here, folks, that we're going to come back to in a second. Wow. And if his God doesn't also happen to be the true and living God of Israel, that man is laboring in idolatry. As the Lord himself said in our day, Quote, they seek not the Lord to establish his righteousness, but every man walketh in his own way, and after the image of his own God, whose image is in the likeness of the world, and whose substance is that of an idol. 
which waxeth old and shall perish in Babylon, even Babylon the great, which shall fall. Last couple clips here. In spite of our delight in defining ourselves as modern and our tendency to think we possess a sophistication that no people in the past ever had, in spite of these things, we are, on the whole, an idolatrous people, a condition most repugnant to the Lord. What are we mm. to fear when the Lord is with us? Can we not take the Lord at his word and exercise a particle of faith in him? Our assignment is affirmative, to forsake the things of the world as ends in themselves, to leave off idolatry and press forward in faith, to carry the gospel to our enemies that they might no longer be our enemies. And the final word, we must leave off the worship of modern-day idols and a reliance on the, quote, arm of flesh, for the Lord has said to all, the world in our day, I will not spare any that remain in Babylon, unquote. So, wow, wow guys, the amount of meat <laughs> in here, <laughs> as far as hypocrisy, self-defecation, <laughs> as we <laughs> go back to that beloved mental image you gave us, guys, holy shit. Let me just skim through this and pick a couple, because we could do the whole podcast just on Spencer's talk, and, and we don't want to do that. There's some other stuff to share. First of all, this constant refrain of turning from the arm of the flesh, not trusting in the arm of the flesh. And so my immediate question to that is, the brethren, including yourself, say to trust in them, and we speak <laughs> for God, and we are the arm of the flesh. So you have this constant dichotomy of trust in the brethren, trust in the arm of the flesh. Oh, wait a minute. Don't trust in the arm of the flesh, trust in God. Wow. So that's a huge hypocrisy and dichotomy there that's being presented by the church. To sum up the ridiculousness from Spencer here, we must leave off the worship of modern-day idols and reliance on the arm of the flesh. We'll talk about what the LDS church tends to put up as idols among the membership, and their ultimate reliance and constant reliance on the arm of the flesh in today's yes. episode. With that very long intro to the topic, sponsored by Spencer Kimball Foundation, <laughs> LDS Church in the News. The news. Yes. Hacked up my left lung. <laughs> Pardon the hacking there, folks. We have some exciting news today, David. A couple really just earth-shaking, earth-shattering stuff here. From the official church newsroom, First Presidency approves missionary attire exceptions, including blue shirts and no ties. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I know. In some missions, you'll be allowed to wear blue shirts with your tie instead of white. And in some missions, you won't even be required to wear a tie. And here comes our favorite word in the next sentence, Dave. When the church describes what they're doing, they are, are you ready for Making? it? Adjusting missionary attire <laughs> to specific locations. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, oh, yes. 
Oh, and just a couple more tidbits in the news today. New general authority from Mexico. Congratulations, Elder, I don't know how to pronounce his name, M-O-I-S-E with an accent, S. Moise? Moises? Moises? Moi? He must be a Rapa Nui. Well, he must be Moses in Spanish. I don't know. Uh, Via Nueva, Via Nueva, New Village, I guess, right? Via Nueva? Moises Via Nueva, wow, sorry for my Spanish there, terrible, says, growth comes by leaving your comfort zone. Oh, oh, yes, and that's pretty much it, other than, you know, they're making teaching relevant and astonishing addressed in seminaries and institutes broadcast. Yeah, so they did a broadcast on how to make teaching relevant and, quote, astonishing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was so tempted to just record that broadcast and use that as our... I I already know how to do that. You give them one of these little special pills before class starts. And then about... Ten minutes later, oh my God, this is astonishing. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> astonishing at that point. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice delayed laughter there, guys. Yeah. We're going to go on to some other tidbits, Dave, but not before you give us from our friend a little bit more of for your information all right this is again very timely that which is going on in our world today that's grabbing up all the headlines even maybe more so than COVID-19 is the BLM Black Lives Matter and uh, down with the cops defund the cops So our first entry is, there is a new production to be given at the social hall, proclaims the Deseret News, with the explanation, the nigger, that's the title of of this, yeah, the nigger, (laughs) is distinctively Southern. It is a romance based on Southern ideals and the race problem. This is 1919. You've got... One hundred years ago. So, hey, honey, grab the kids. Let's go see that new show. What is it? The nigger. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, man! Fuck? Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yes, yes. So it still hasn't left Mormonism. No, it's nineteen nineteen. Holy hell! Now, this one's just fun, and I did not know this about this man. William Harrison, otherwise known as Jack Dempsey, is the first Mormon to be heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Oh, you're kidding me. I had no idea he was LDS. Wow. Oh, holy shit. Whoa. Oh, my God. Look at the size of that crowd. Wow. Wow. Like, my my wall opened up here, and there is an entire stadium of people out there listening to our show. I had no idea. Wow. Wow. So is Jack Dempsey 
now an idol? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We'll get into that. 1920, June 10th, U.S. Department of Justice files charges against Church President Heber J. Grant and presiding Bishop Charles Nibley for illegal profiteering on behalf of the church's Utah-Idaho Sugar Company. Ah, oh, dipping into the till again, huh? Oh. Ah. Does it say how it yeah. ended up? Did they win or did they settle? I wonder. Uh, Government uh, government eventually drops charges. Oh, I wonder what little backhanded uh, arrangements happened there. Okay. What do you need? Five grand, ten grand? What do you need? Well, you know what probably happened is the government officials who were pursuing that were also frequenting the church-sponsored whorehouses. <laughs> so... <laughs> So there was a little yeah. blackmail opportunity. Con conflict of interest yeah, there. Going so. on. Yes. Okay, next year, 1921, First Presidency and Quorum of Twelve decide to return to the pre-1912 old form of ordaining to office without first conferring priesthood. So they flip-flopped three times. Oh, my God. They can't, cannot make up their mind on how God wants this to be done because he doesn't talk to him or wait. No, I mean, yeah, of course he talks to him, but <laughs> not about that. He, they just don't know. What the fuck? How do you do that? What does, <laughs> what does it even fucking matter? <laughs> it's not real anyway. <laughs> My God, it's ridiculous. And okay, Michael, you're going to love this one. Cause you and I have brought this subject up at least a half a dozen times. Yes. And here's the actual account. Okay. 1922, January 4th. You even mentioned this last week. From 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., eight hours, Brigham H. Roberts presents detailed summary of textual and historical problems in the Book of Mormon to combined meeting of First Presidency apostles and 70s presidents. Oh, wow. He recommends these problems should be researched and publicly discussed, to which they bore their testimonies. Testimony. Oh, yeah. my God. That's it. Fucking eight hours? Eight hours, they yeah. They bore their because they wanted to go home. Oh yeah, they're like eat. fuck this shit, man. Eight hours. Oh, you know it was <laughs> you know it was catered. You know, good old BH. You know he catered it. Yeah, uh, he probably had a live Plen band as well. Plenty of wine and spittoons and women all and the rest of it. I mean, what the? Anyway, this yeah. will be fun for people who have been in Utah for a while. May sixth. Heber J. Grant speaks the first words on Utah's pioneer radio station, KZN. After the church buys controlling interest on April 21st, 1925, the station call sign becomes KSL. Oh, wow. Still in operation today, KSL. So you said 1925? Is that? That's. That's when that happened. Controlling wow. interest. So controlling what the people hear. Well, that's a good way of uh, controlling their interest. Oh. Uh. Wow. Okay, this next one, I, I'm just going to skip. It, well, maybe not. Okay. George Sutherland, October 2nd, is the first U.S. Supreme Court Justice of Mormon origins. Okay. Interesting. And one more. 1923. 
First presidency and 12 agree, and this will go to your church news mm-hmm. article about adjusting missionary attire. 1923, May 17th, First presidency and 12 agree to alter temple undergarment. Ah, uh, okay. Button, buttons instead of strings, okay. no collar, sleeves above the elbow and a few inches below the knee and a change in the crotch so as to <laughs> so as to cover the same was it not covered before yeah <laughs> the there was a hole yeah there was literally a, there was literally a cutout for the crotch in the old style well garment. yeah they were having so much sex <laughs> in, with, with so many different women they didn't have time to take your garments off for hell's sakes. <laughs> yeah, literally your 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 junk was hanging out, obviously, if you were a male. And so yeah, there was a hole in the crotch. Interesting. Oh All shit. right. So now they can at least walk around the house without their privates exposed. Just da- yeah. dangling. <laughs> do, do your do your balls hang to and swing to and fro? <laughs> Okay, we won't get into that song. Oh, so there's two ice specs. <laughs> what oh the fuck? fuck? There's two ice specs of idolatry <laughs> we want to cover today. And they both are found in the LDS church. And oh you wouldn't God. think the first one would because they tout the fact that there are no crosses mm-hmm. and and no statues in churches. Well, there are statues and idols all over in Mormon dumb, dumb, dumb. And so we could list some of them. I, if you're not familiar, there's statues. Thorvaldson's Christus, for one, which is now part of the new church logo, is a statue. Yes, it is. Okay. Yep. Yes, it is of Jesus, but it is a it is a three dimensional idol. Okay. We've got statues of Joseph, Hiram, Moroni. We've got the pioneers crossing the plains. We've got this seagull statue on Temple Square, and on and on at church historical sites. There are statues. Everywhere, but everywhere, yep. Hells in significance to the non-physical statues and forms of idolatry. I'm going to just rip through a list, and then we can kind of pick out the ones that might refer more specifically to Mormonism. These are things that can be worshipped as idols: your career, your family, money, entertainment, religion itself. Pleasure, fame, culture, power, approval, Mm -hmm. success, possessions, kind of close to money, and comfort can all be turned into a form of idolatry. Now, you would think, wait a minute, family? Yeah. Oh, hell yes. In the Mormon church, an undue influence on time spent with and a cultish kind of belief in the eternal nature of the family that's not taught anywhere else on the fucking planet nothing biblical not even in the book of mormon yeah that's right just an evolving latter-day idea yeah it's become kind of a subculture uh, that has turned into quite the idolatrous topic Yeah. yeah for sure yeah, and you know Bruce R. McConkie has some thoughts to share, Dave. His spirit visited okay. me recently. 
but you know he's cool. cho- he's chomping at the bit to share some tidbits, but he doesn't want to interrupt because we all recall how polite and courteous Bruce was. Um, <laughs> so you know, let him know when he's able to jump in. He wants to share some thoughts about idolatry. Okay, well, I just wanted to read that list to show yeah. you, as a listening audience, how extensive and. You're probably thinking, oh, my God, yeah, I hadn't thought of some of those things. And they do qualify as forms of idolatry. Just keep this in mind. You become that which you worship. So as Michael mentioned early in the podcast, that which takes up all of your time, your thoughts, your energy is what you truly worship yeah. or idolize. Your and devotion. that you become that thing. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Bruce, let's, let's let Bruce hit it because l- let me give you a real quick example of how kind he was. I was at a conference mm-hmm. and he was speaking and a, a missionary in the back says, I heard that Jesus was married. Mm-hmm. And instead of answering it, he said, do you know whether he was married or not? Hmm. Then don't teach it. Oh, just like a fucking bl- asshole. complete. <laughs> asshole just (laughs) shut this missionary down quivering shitting his pants (laughs) like oh my god i'm sorry i didn't mean to ask a question that you can't answer you fucking liar a posture apostle a poster poster (laughs) anyway that's a great man god man the the progenitor of holland huh wow rip them yes i, I rip think em, so bruce. yeah yeah uh, minus the jowls i don't remember a lot of jowls happening with with bruce he was a little thinner no yeah well Paul, dude there was a talk in the 1980 october general conference by bruce r called the lord god of the restoration and there's just four little clips here that he wanted to share from back then. And Bruce, you want to step in again? Yeah. Well, I know you don't have to. You can walk through the wall in your ethereal form. Yeah, I know. Okay. Come on in. Sit down. There's a microphone right there. All righty. You all set? Okay. Give us that first little clip, if you don't mind. Monferrier. That's <laughs> not my brother. The derriere. Okay, here we go. It is all the rage in this modern world to worship false gods of every sort and kind. There are those who bow before idols of wood and stone and others who lisp their petitions to icons and images. There are those who worship cows and crocodiles and others who acclaim Adam or Allah or Buddha as their supreme being. Like Brigham Young? (laughs) Yeah. Adam, yeah. Uh, Oops, sorry. Bruce, Uh we'll talk later about throwing Brigham under the bus there. And it's Allah, not Allah. Allah. He said Allah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's not even educated about these other religions. Hey, if you don't believe in it, you don't have to pronounce it correctly. Come on. That's traditionally American as well as Mormon. Come on. That's true. That's true. Sad. So he's got a few other things to say here, if I recall. Let's let's jump to another spot here, Bruce. Go ahead. How belittling it is. It borders on blasphemy. 
to demean the Lord God omnipotent by saying he is an idol. Okay. All right. If, okay. <laughs> well, since no one has ever seen him anyway, do we really know? No, I don't. We have mm. claims. We have claims from the founding prophet that he's so. been seen. Yeah. Is that has that become an idol? Mm. There's pictures about it now that we can. What What else do you got to say here, Bruce? I think you said you had a couple other things here. There is no salvation in worshiping false gods. There is no salvation in false religion. There is no salvation in error in any form. Okay, well, mm-hmm. that's a pretty tall order. Error wow. in any form. So any does, form. Does that so, include the fraud and bullshit and errored history that was hidden and now revealed over the last couple decades of the church history? I ooh, yeah, maybe. So no salvation. Damn it! Where am I going to go now? To whom shall ye go? To whom shall you go? The world, oh, David, the world. This is what... Right, with their crocodiles and their... Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I can't believe he brought up crocodiles. <laughs> you know, I didn't look that up. I am sh- I guess there could be a people who worship crocodiles. I didn't think so, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe we should look that I, yeah. Mr. Dundee himself. Yes. <clears throat> Let's hear the last little tidbit from Bruce here. All the idols and icons and images combined since the world began until the end of time, will never have power to cleanse and perfect a single human soul. Okay. I agree. And yeah. just add Mormonism to that list. Yeah, that's right. It, it's funny from the prior quote, too, nor, nor a false religion. Okay, so when you prove a religion is false and fraudulent, then I guess you throw Mormonism in there, right? So you better sit down, Bruce, and... <laughs> Now it's time for somebody in the audience to grab the mic and say, Sit the fuck down! (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) You know, I remember every word of that talk. That's when I had become enveloped in 1980. Yep. Was on my first mission, and I listened to conference talks continuously, and I'm familiar with every word he just spoke. Having listened again and again. And so we'll get into that aspect of the verse about graven images and the way that the church engraves things into the tissues of your mind through repetition and other forms, which becomes idol it's idolatrous. Yeah, okay. It so is. we don't believe in that God who doesn't like idolatry anyway. But what we're pointing out is, again, what Michael mentioned, the hypocrisy of claiming not to be involved in idol worship, and it's prolific. Yeah, and it is quite astonishing if you go into certain talks with this background in your mind, right? And you kind of just listen in an analytical mode, and you listen to one of the typical, even modern talks, right, from the brethren— about follow God, follow God, follow the brethren, follow the brethren, because they equate the two. And then we recall the warnings, some of which I just read or we just listened to, and David read from the scriptures, about trusting in the arm of the flesh, in an idol of any kind. 
And the brethren, and then all these different icons in the Mormon religion, and we'll talk about it, just a few of them at the end here, are idols in this church. And so you're warning the membership against something that you're asking them to embrace simultaneously. It's quite the mindfuck. It's part of that whole mindfuckery. It's part of the emotional and mental damage that happens to the membership as they try to balance these conflicting concepts and make sense out of them in their lives. And you find people, and I know I was here a few times, whether I put a name on it or, you know, paused and focused on it or not from time to time of, wait a minute, you know, in the back, your back of your mind, the logic center sometimes halts your process or whatever you want to say. And, and you're thinking, wait, this doesn't work with that. And yeah. you have to then create these things we constantly talk about, right? Cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias, etc., because that's the only way that your mind can literally deal with these conflicting concepts, right? Because the mind is a pretty amazing thing, and our logic center is pretty solid, and it has a hard time dealing with conflicting data, conflicting information, right? This thing does not match with that thing. And so both cannot be true at the same time, right? And you can fuck yourself over so deeply that you start to believe that they can be true at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's essentially where you leave a, a completely dedicated Mormon, right? Who who believes everything. So, you know, let's start talking about some of these things. You know, I think back to, again, dating myself or ourselves here, David, and I think back to Schoolhouse Rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite cartoon interludes, intermissions between shows as a kid, and they would show Schoolhouse Rock, and you'd get a little thing. You remember the one about nouns? And the lady, it's a girl who's singing, I think, about nouns. And she says, kind of the chorus is, I find it quite interesting, a noun's a person, place, or thing. <laughs> Remember that? Okay. And Good then memory. She, yeah. And so I find it quite interesting, an idol is a person, place, or thing. <laughs> so let's yeah. just compare idols and let's talk about persons, places, and things. In the LDS Church. So people, Dave, let's start there. Well, Our, yeah, I remember several members, especially new converts and even investigators, mentioning to me that when they attended church, all they heard about was Joseph Smith and very little mm-hmm. about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So number one on your person's list would be Joseph Smith, held up as an idol, the antithesis of what the man truly was didn't warrant anyone's worship. <laughs> no. Disdain, perhaps, if they were to find out who and what he really was. And so the list just continues right on down with succeeding presidents, prophets, you know, yeah. general authorities. Yeah. Uh, just the idea of uh, everyone standing up when a general authority enters the room. Oh, God, yeah. All of, what the fuck is the that? Fuck is Isn't that? he supposed to be my brother? Yeah. My equal? Mm. Yeah, he has this calling. But, I mean, the, the, it's just one step away from falling down 
it, you know, on your face in front of the guy. Oh, oh God. Oh, <laughs> no you're, kidding. You represent God. So can, can I call you God? Is that okay? Can I shake <laughs> your hand? Yeah. It's unfucking believable. And you hit that, obviously the nail on the head there, as they say, I mean, Joseph Smith, there is no debate. He is the person idol of the LDS church and the religion. Praise to the man, right? We, we sang about him. We, we essentially worshiped Joseph Smith. I mean, there's the verses in the Doctrine and Covenants. No man did any more. I'm going to totally butcher the, you know, recounting of it here, but along, no man did any more for the, what was it? The welfare of, of humankind. something along those lines. Salvation. The salvation of mankind. Yeah. Uh, other than Jesus as Joseph Smith, right? So he's second to fucking Jesus Christ, right? As far as the level of adoration and, you know, dedication and, you know, being enamored by and infatuated by and essentially idolizing Joseph Smith. And, you know, the fraud founder of the religion Looking back, guys, at the scriptures and everything else and all the teachings we've been talking about that they like to spout as they practice the complete opposite in the church, even if Joseph was a legit guy, even if he was legitimately like disillusioned and he really thought he saw God and he wasn't a fraudster, <laughs> like he, even if you gave that to him for a second, which history mm-hmm. shows is not true, but let's just pretend for a minute. He still would be, you know, to, to worship and idolize him as the people do would still be idolatrous. Doesn't matter that he was a fraudster in that regard. In and that just makes it ironic, right? But even if it wasn't ironic, it would still be idol worship. And I think David as well, growing up, you'll recall, right? Heroes of the Book of Mormon, right? There's pictures of Moroni or you know, Arnold Freiberg pictures where these guys were like bodybuilders, you know, everybody yeah. was fucking 3% body massive. fat, massive 280 pound, massive. you know, linebackers and shit. And just, which, <laughs> whatever, right? You know, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe they'd be athletic looking or toned, but they wouldn't be fucking bodybuilders. But anyway, these well, idols. You're going to create fictional people. Why not? Go why all the not? way. Go all the way. Right. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. you know, why isn't he wearing a cape? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and a mask. Uh, you know, so we've got all sorts of people idols. How about places? And you, I know you sure. looked a little into this online, Dave. Like the, tell us about like the historical well, places. And- just simply follow the chronological history of the church. So mm-hmm. there's a spot right there in Palmyra. There's the the Hill Camorra, and right on down, there's the E.B. Grandin store where the Book of Mormon was printed, has been refurbished, and right on through history, right into Illinois, Missouri. Independence, of course, you've got tons of things in Utah, but just the trail, the trail of Mormonism from the east to the west. And in most of these places, there's uh, some kind of a uh, statue, if not several, Mm -hmm. depicting the event that made the place sacred. It it became sacred because of what happened there. Mm -hmm. Even Hans Mill which Mm -hmm. was a massacre Mm -hmm. that the saints brought upon themselves by teaching what they were teaching and antagonizing the shit out of the Missourians. There's 
something there. It's it's just crazy. And it's like God holding up this false history. And if we if we have enough of these places, then see it not only really did happen, it happened the way we said it happened. Yes, yes. Come on. And you can think just like the people, right? You can think of the top three or so, right? So the sacred grove, right? Which again, the hilarity there where the grove was not even talked about in Joseph's first description of the first vision. You, you might as well have just assumed he saw it in his bedroom or whatever. He didn't go to a grove. But that whole idea, it was exactly here. I feel the spirit in this spot in the woods. It must have been here, you know. And and you've got the Garden of Gethsemane, which, you know, when I went over to Israel, actually through work, nothing to do with religion, and took a tour and you know, just fascinating, fascinating area to tour. So much history in that area of the world. But regardless, you know, they obviously visit religious places as well, right, in the tour, or areas that are have been adopted, if you will, by certain religions. And, and so Christianity is going to be one of those. And the, the tour guide admitted, he's like, you know, there's thoughts of this or that, but he's like, I'll be honest with you, we have no idea of this quote-unquote Garden of Gethsemane or whatever even existed. We don't have an idea of the actual no. t- tomb. If there, if there was the tomb as described in the Bible, we're not sure where that was. But then you have the brethren going over. It was right here. This was his tomb, and this was the—and you're like, whatever, dude. And you're supposed to worship this place, right? I mean, idolize it, essentially, because uh, of an event that never even happened. Right, right. <laughs> Carthage, Carthage jail, another, you know, these martyrdom places, whatever. And then you have things, right? So things, there's physical things that actually exist that aren't what they were described to be, like the seer stone, which the church, I guess, admitted at some point they had, and now you can see pictures of it, and you, I guess you can go see it under a glass box maybe or something i don't know but then these imaginary objects right so what are the top objects that come to your mind dave as far as like these amazing uh, objects well of co- of course the glowing stones of the jaredites oh, which yeah. is closely related to the urim and thummim mm-hmm. the leahona mm-hmm. yep the uh, sword of laban right the breastplate yeah the sword of the breastplate the, yeah it's just that none of these things yeah. have ever been found or <laughs> yeah, it, it's ridiculous. It's well, just, and then I fast forward well, to today, right? Pictures. Pictures are a big thing for, you know, for a lot of pictures aren't right. bad, right? But like in the home of a Mormon family that's dedicated and devoted, every home has a picture of a temple or temples, plural, right? Temples themselves, huge idols, huge idols in the church. What huge statue idol. do you have on the fucking top of the temple? You right. spoke of golden calves. Yeah. Before a golden man with a horn, uh, a reference to Revelation. Yeah, the Book yeah. of Revelation. And and speaking of, how about the scriptures themselves? Oh yes, as oh, yeah. as something that's idolized. Yeah. It's the Word of God, and we have all of it. And the way they're held up, this oh, book. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked so many hours about the source of. All of it. 
Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so, yeah, even the, the really obvious things, I can't think of that many more objects. There are some things that are peculiar, again, to Mormonism. Mm. It, the point being, there are obviously idols, for instance, Catholicism. There's idols in every religion, and they are aware of that. The difference is the Mormons have them, but they claim that they don't. So see, again, <laughs> they set themselves up. Right. Yeah. It's their claims that are... Yes. Not, well, the truth yeah. claims about a church where if you went in, just as the people you mentioned, Dave, how'd you like your first day at church? Well, I got to tell you, if we're being honest here, just between you and me, go find a you know quiet corner and talk with the guy. I was a little surprised how much people talk about Joseph Smith or... I was a little surprised about how infatuated you guys are with temples. And the stake president, I guess, was talking today to the members here, and he said, you need to go once a week to the temple. Or, you know, just the infatuation and dedication and devotion, again, their own definition, to idols, things, symbols. You know, it's just, un it's, it's prolific. I think it's heavier in the Mormon church than even the ancient Catholic Church. And let's it, let's yeah. talk real quickly, going back to graven images, of mm -hmm. looking upon an idol from a distance or up close, doesn't really matter. I mean, being in the presence of a physical statue or some other object, what does that elicit? What's the reaction that mm -hmm. takes place inside of you mm -hmm. if there wasn't already some meaning placed on it for you? And so this is, again engraven images in the mind in your way of thinking about that's the graven image to me in in the lds church is your thoughts the neural pathways that are created as reactions to being in the presence of wood and stone and gold and brass symbols of things it's what they represent and of course it's taught that they only represent that thing but what does that thing mean to you and why does it have that meaning because it's been again pounded into you from day one over repetitiously and so you have that particular reaction to it so what if they took down all the statues in that yeah you know just as a thought yeah, and, you know, the another irony I thought of when you were just going through that thought is you talk about one of the criticisms, if you will, between, like, evangelical Christianity and Mormonism, and where the Christian churches have crosses, right, which is an icon. It's—you could call it an idol, and especially the way they reverence it and look at it, right? I would call that an idol, quote-unquote, of cr Christian Definitely. churches— and then the Mormon church being criticized for not having crosses on its churches and being so proud, right? Vocally, many times I heard through my life, proud of not, yeah, well, what, you know, if a guy was lined up and shot by a firing squad, would you hang a gun around your neck? You know, the cross is the death of Jesus and all, and be so proud and obstinate even sometimes. We don't have crosses. Well, who's that golden idol on top of your fucking temples? <laughs> Well, I, I uh, that that's Moroni, but I uh, we don't, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know. Think, think of that someone on vacation. Yeah, maybe they haven't heard anything really, or next to nothing about the Mormon Church, and they say, "Oh, 
this is supposed to be a nice tourist spot. Yeah. Let's go see Temple Square. And when they first gaze upon that temple itself, and then they see this golden man with a horn on top, what do you think they're oh, thinking? Yeah. yeah, it's got to be, you know, the first thing I would think if I saw it, just knowing kind of how I think about things, I'd look at that and say, wow, like, is that their prophet or, or their God? Right? Like, it's it's at least like a prophet level, you know, important. Like, is that like Muhammad, right? Like, is that their high priest slash prophet slash God, right? Like, and yeah. somebody would probably tell me if they or like the sister missionaries are there, right? Talking to investigators in Temple Square. Oh, no, no, no. That's just one of the prophets in the Book of Mormon, blah, blah. Well, then why is he elevated at the top of the fucking steeple, right? Like, that's odd, right? That's... I got to yeah. tell you, you know, on my mission, <laughs> I answered the phone one day and I had done it several times and you've heard me do it. I answered it by saying top of the temple, Moroni speaking. <laughs> and it was, and it was the mission president <laughs> and he was calling me to become a district leader. And I about myself. I'm like, Oh, I didn't hear any laughter. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Uh, well, folks, you know, Bruce wants us to wrap it up by reiterating one of the things he said. He says this is really important as we talk about the Mormon church. So we'll let him reiterate. Here we go. All the idols and icons and images combined since the world began until the end of time will never have power to cleanse and perfect a single human soul. All righty. I agree. I completely agree. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Completely agree. Uh, also, I would bring up the fact I don't believe that the soul of a human being or any of us needs to be cleansed or perfected or any of that shit. No. But yeah. that's where we're a little, a little bit different than our Mormon brethren. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, have a great week, guys, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.